2: Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. It is the day after Thanksgiving. I do not have leftovers. I'm thankful for that. Uh, Even though, you know, it was a good dinner, but you know, I I went out of town for it. Uh, Chris, you have a good Thanksgiving?
1: I did have a good Thanksgiving. Um, You know, like it it was nice to go and spend time with my family. Uh, The people we had over for Thanksgiving, uh, like family, friends or whatever, were chill. And I have been working on a lot of music. I got to do recording stuff uh, the night going into Thanksgiving Eve, so all the way up until midnight. And then I was up way too late uh, remixing. And No, I, was t- I took this old song of mine, and this is kind of a new thing for me. I, like, took the old song and completely redid the mix to match a current song that I'm working on because I like – I like this current song and I think that this other song I heard I was like, hearing it. I was like, well, this would sound like a good pairing to this other song, but I have to completely rework the mix. So I got to spend several hours uh, reworking the mix, which uh, I, to some people might sound like work, but like to me is like what I want to do with my life. So it was awesome. It was, it was really cool.
2: We, my, uh, I went to Scottsdale and my parents and uh, my aunt and uncle also live in Scottsdale. So we went to their house. Uh, a little more bougie than my parents are they are about the whole thing but uh, one of my cousins was also there we i have two cousins and both have families and uh one one of the cousins made it this year with with both his boys who are now age four and six and and i remember this time in my life when you'd go to dinners with strange people and you wouldn't want to talk to anybody at first and then eventually you warm up to them kind of happened here uh Wait two. wait wait
1: you you grew out of that is what you're saying.
2: Uh, I might have grown out of that. I don't know For I um, I drink huh. now so at, at these functions so that helps a bit.
1: I, that's I'm working on that still. It's a it's a growth thing. It's a growth point.
2: Okay. Uh cool. Um but uh yeah, they weren't talking of it first but then I'm moving chairs to the table, and they're these big, heavy wood chairs with like the vinyl covering a little part of it within the frame. And uh, and they've started to warm up a bit. Like like the night started with one of the kids hustling my mom at a, at an educational card game. It's like a, do you draw one card at a time? No, you draw ten. He's <laughs> just cheating, hustling my mother. But <laughs> I'm moving the chairs and I put one at the table. It's just me and the two boys. They kind of give this she- grinnish, you know, devilish look in their eyes as if they've, they've, they've discovered something. You know what we call these chairs? they you know, what? Call them the fart chairs. I go, what? Yeah, because they make these fart noises. They ran their hand across the vital, the... <laughs> and then they just start making fart noises and start laughing hilariously. And like, this is the best audience I will ever have. I don't know what's going on, but the <laughs> grandma comes and goes. Did you teach them? I'm like, no. I swear, to God, I didn't teach them this. I was getting framed for. <laughs> And just the rest of the night, when the two are rubbing, I'm just like, "This is this is this is what I beca- I'm just looking at my mom, going, "This is not my fault." I swear to you, I did not teach these children about fart chairs or whatever they're doing. <laughs> are you? There? I, I'm, no, I'm here. I'm just like
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, why didn't you?
2: I, I don't know. I was trying to play the straight man, actually, to them, I'm like, oh, "Those chairs don't really fart." <laughs>
1: So you're egging them on.
2: Almost. Although, Almost. Although later... Almost
1: or actually. I, well, what, no. what I just feel like I got was I, a bit I, of a I, confession.
2: Well, no, 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 no. After dinner, a couple Jack Daniels in, it's like Jeff just went well. Wow. <laughs> Everybody would start doing it. After, after Jeff had a couple cocktails, he started egging on the kids, much to the parent's chagrin. But other than that, I was, I was, I was pure, Chris. I was good. I was a good boy. I behaved. Mm-hmm. I got a cookie after I got home. <laughs> oh, and, and this note. Uh, Shane Haste, after being cut, wrote: "All jokes aside, I got nothing to be mad about. I had a financially great run, met some cool people, traveled, and had plenty of laughs. I I have some great stories to tell in the future." And then it should have been written in crayon. And thanks to Chris Novembrino and all the other little slapjacks. No, for their no, support. The
1: slapjackalopes. <laughs> the slapjackalopes is our our name. And I just, I hope one day I meet this man and I tell him that there's no one on this planet who's more of a fan of that slapjack gimmick than I was.
2: One of those weird business, getting into the news now, <laughs> one of those weird business stories that just kind of pops up that would look of interest to both Chris and myself. Chris, I'm going to read you this. You tell me, uh, you tell me what uh, smells a little about this story the terms of former WWE Chief Financial Officer Christina Salen's separation agreement were made public today. In an SEC filing, WWE revealed that they had come to terms with Salen on November 23rd. Under the deal, she will receive one-year salary and continue to receive health benefits for one year. Additionally, Salen will receive a cash payment estimated at $413,000 for forfeited stock units and will also be eligible for a bonus with a current estimated worth. A four hundred thirty one thousand two hundred dollars at the WWE Board of Directors discretion.
1: Okay, so there are things that color this speculation that you and I know on background for months on end that I, like, really can't bring into this next piece of opining. But the details of this to me, given that background that I am privy to, scream a sexual harassment issue that we're trying to keep quiet.
2: I was thinking something along those lines, or she knows where a body is buried, because given the Oliver Luck lawsuit where there was no kind of compensation given <laughs> it's turning this is awfully generous for a WWE firing that's that's uh, good, especially
1: uh, given the climate of how most of these firings are done too yes. this this sticks out like a sore thumb compared to other releases and departures from the company
2: i will give you a non cynical uh path here she just negotiated a hell of a contract with stock options so that they had to pay her and that if she was fired within a certain amount of time that she had, she was eligible for compensation and year end bonuses. That's perfectly acceptable to me, but.
1: <laughs> it would have been very impressive to negotiate. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would like to believe that because it would say something extremely shrewd about her competency level, but it just seems like she wouldn't have had sufficient leverage coming in to negotiate that strong of a contract.
2: Right. Uh few other things scott scott garland 48 best known as scotty too asked for his release this week he had been working at the coach at the performance center when announcing he said if it ever came to where he was working for wwe just for a paycheck he would leave and that's what happened interesting people get burned out
1: anything why why now i, I mean it feels like I'm, he's i mean it feels like the wwe system for the last two years has been in this sort of holding pattern
2: I'm guessing it's just not wanting to deal with, like, this next-gen NXT 2.0 type thing. Hmm. You know, it was formerly a finishing school, and now it's an actual build-from-the-ground-up type school.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Johnny Gargano signed a one-week contract extension to his deal that was to expire on December 3rd, will now expire on December 10th. The key is that the next major show is December 5th, so Gargano has agreed to work through a conclusion of his current program. He is still in talks with WWE about signing a new deal, but obviously by not signing the offer deal and only signing a one-week extension, he is also willing to entertain outside offers. Me in parentheses. It's called leverage. Candice LeRae's contract would expire in May, but the belief is that they will add at least from the period of time she was taken off television until the period she returns due to pregnancy as a contract freezing period. And if they do that, that's going to wind up a long time into the future and probably well into 2022. Uh, yeah. So, oh. Interesting. No, it, it's just uh look, he's doing, he's doing kind of the Adam Cole gimmick here. You know, I've agreed to run the string out until the last uh, program is
1: done. And then uh, I'm going to exercise my options here. I think that's smart. So how long is Gargano's contract?
2: Up until December 10th
1: okay so this guy's got by my count about 14 days left on his contract correct 14 days to learn where the hard camera is <laughs> do you think he can do it
2: and <laughs> to do the shocked face when somebody kicks out of too <clears> the <throat> level four shocked face he needs to get that uh, he needs to get out of control Chris
1: yeah no, I, I mean like look uh, I, I think I feel like the writing's in the wall here, and can't or and Johnny's done. But maybe he gets a fairly lucrative offer to just kind of stay in this holding pattern.
0: I kind
2: of think that too, and I kind of think he wouldn't mind. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm yeah, gonna be I, I don't
1: think I don't. Uh, here's the other problem:
2: he's not he, motivated it, like Brian Danielson to be, you know, the greatest wrestler of all time. Blah blah. blah. I think he just wants to make money and have a family. AEW a- is a
1: crowded boat. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a very crowded ship right now, and it doesn't necessarily do him a world of good to go and end up in the mid card in aew either it's it, uh, it's really a question of if the money's right it seems like either way he's going to be in the middle of the show he's not gonna be featured as a top guy i don't know that he cares about being a top guy as you said like candace and he are starting a family they like to go to disney it seems like this guy's next 15 year trajectory Is, you know, increasing dad activities, more trips to Disneyland, maybe school stuff, um, like and and less and less in ring over time.
2: Let me throw this at you, because, yes, he is at that point now where he is. He's kind of in the prime of his career, you could say. I mean, in terms of being able to go physically in the ring and, and having also the experience to build great matches, et cetera, et cetera. But he is the face of NXT. In many ways, he was Johnny Takeover in many ways. Takeover now gone from all the branding on NXT war games. So that's uh, part of the next future. There is no William. So then R-
1: what is Johnny? If there, he can't be Johnny Takeover, what does Johnny Takeover mean?
2: Well, here, here's what I'm going to put to you. There is no William Regal now. There is no Samoa Joe. What if Johnny Gargano becomes the figurehead of NXT?
1: Um, feels like putting Macho Man on commentary. I, I, yes, it does.
2: But that's their I mean, they've said that he I mean, he's basically aging out here. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just it's It's interesting to think about. I think. See, it's weird because I think he fits in perfect in the WWE system of doing goofy comedy and sketches and like the and like that, as opposed to what AEW is trying to do. Not that he won't fit in an AEW. That's not what I'm saying.
1: He would be a total great mid card character actor for this company. Yes. Yeah. Like if they wanted to use him on the main roster and he has underdog likability status and workhorse status, they would never do this, but like it's not inconceivable that like Johnny Gargano in a company that was more mindful Catches underdog fire on a main roster with the proper presentation. Like you could tell an underdog Daniel Bryan type of story with this guy. He's a good Uh, enough worker to do it.
2: Finally, with his tag team match, Randy Orton set the record for the most pay-per-view matches in WWE history with 177. He had been tied with Kane going into the show at 176. Congrats. Here's a plaque.
1: Would have been great if Kane had showed up at the (laughs) pay-per-view to keep Orton out of the match. Just as like the most pointless angle ever.
2: <laughs> it's like it's like those old football players who really just want to be the guy to hold on to that record and never want to give it up, and you get just see them seething in the crowd. That would
1: a- be a way better mystery than the egg, right? Like before the match, Orton is backstage. His knee is like busted up. Uh, we don't know who attacked Orton. Riddle is an idiot and tries to be a detective to try to solve the mystery of who killed Randy Orton. And Uh, We discover that it's Kane because Kane doesn't want Orton to ever compete in another pay-per-view match ever.
2: (laughs) Let's talk some ice-cold Survivor Series takes since that's a good transition for it. Annual Big Four pay-per-view run by the WWE was a one-match show, period. Charlotte and Becky, pretty damn good match. They have very good chemistry. They played into the drama of this and then you're going to shut the whole damn show off because nothing else mattered. Now, that said, your boy, Jeff Hawkins, at Crap Game 13, got in a bit of trouble this week on the old Twitterverse from, uh, let's just say, uh, WWE simps, some of whom have blue check marks. Because I said this, Chris, in the, in the lead-up to Survivor Series, they had renamed the Battle Royal the Rock 25th Anniversary Battle Royal. The media blitz was all sorts of WWE superstars cosplaying as The Rock. If you don't pay attention to Twitter, you thought The Rock was probably going to show up at this show, especially with the Netflix tie in of his movie being there. They had laid the groundwork for it. And I got, I got, well, they never really said he'd be there, did they? it was a bait and switch kids
1: it was was ludicrous ludicrous you you name a battle royal after the rock and at the end of that battle royal the inherent expectation it's implicit sure well but the expectation is something like
2: they changed a bit with the pizza hut sponsorship i believe
1: gotcha Gotcha. But then when they when they well they set it up okay they changed it a bit the day yes, off Jeff yes yes the I day off of. yes, yeah okay yeah going back to bait and switch yeah yeah <laughs> you got you got baited with the Rock and switched with Pizza Hut holy crap that's a horrible deal um but beyond I mean Pizza Hut these are like squares or wheels of garbage um anyways the point being the Rock it, you create a the Rock battle royal. The implied mindset of someone showing up before they know that it's going to be pizza, pizza Hut and whatever they're doing is that at the end of this battle royal, something like The Rock coming out and shaking the hand of the person who won the battle royal and maybe that leading up to an angle, that's something like the expectation. Um, instead, what we got is, is sort of like a, a, a silly wwe sort of coherent booking yeah. uh versus versus regular we coherence. got an egg
2: we got an egg for the movie for a netflix crossover is what we got no i look like, well
1: jeff you should have known because the rocks in australia filming young rock so if he yeah, no, but but jeff here's the thing about that egg that egg does tremendous ratings i've been told Th-
2: that egg is gonna go all elite um <laughs> No, it, it's, 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 it's oh, Jeff, you should know. I knew he was filming Young Rock in Australia. I knew he'd have to quarantine for a week if he came back. And that it's was not
1: about impossible. knowing, it's right? Not, it it's not about nothing. knowing. It, it, has, it has everything to do with what you're yes, doing in terms of expectations. It has setting.
2: nothing to do with The Rock, as a matter of fact, other than the fact that they, that they were implying his presence. The Rock's interest in this. Has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about what WWE did to set the expectations for a show that nobody had any interest in because there were no stakes. The stakes were never lowered. There were no titles on the line. There was there was no, I mean, brand supremacy. F that. Nobody gives
1: a crap. The, the brand war this year. I mean, it's always been laughable. It, it's for like always. the duration, no, but like this year was perhaps the most pathetic attempt at a brand war ever. And what the whole Rock thing was, was an attempt to juice some sort of numbers going into the Uh pay-per-view and some sort of numbers coming out of the pay-per-view. That maybe just maybe the Rock was going to show up and start some sort of angle with uh, Roman Reigns. But he's not because the whole angle is built around Brock Lesnar. So it was really, really... Egregious. (laughs) egregious yeah, <laughs> like, and, and, yeah, it was very egregious.
2: and I think uh, you know, I listened to the flagship today earlier today as I was at the airport, and, and Joe Lanza had a very good point about Biggie and his treatment here, and this was something we've been on a lot too. We said Biggie as champion needs to be something else other than New day with a belt, and he hasn't been anything else. and you know who said he wasn't going to be that? Or who said it was okay to be that Big E did on talking smack all those times well this is how i got here blah 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 and i think i think joe has a very good point number one about look it's obvious roman reigns basically squashed him for three-fourths of the match and then pinned him clean sure he got a bit of a comeback there but whoopty crap you know he has he has, a, he has a, a very good point about uh, how the fans are kind of reacting to this, but I don't think he's quite on target with it, because it's twofold. It's not just WWE fans have really bought into this legacy thing, and how yes, if you get a title, it means it means you're important, it means they like you, it means oh the, these t- no, the only people who titles aren't born are the people they tell you, and that's where Joe is correct. But there's another aspect to the big e title reign and that's also good god we don't want what happened to kofi to happen to big e here and him to be irrelevant because he is a black man and he's a black champion and so what happens is they buy in to to this thing where if you're being negative about the big e title reign you're being negative about big e and that's not the case
1: and in the case of you and I, it probably couldn't be further from the truth. No, we, we like, are you and I have have been stands of this guy for a long time. Um, uh, there's a big difference between saying something, uh, to, to use a toxic phrase, isn't working, and not being a fan of the people trying to work that specific yes. angle. Um, like I really like Biggie. I like I like Biggie. I just have liked him since he was doing you know three and a muff. Man, I want five. Like the, yes. this guy's. This guy's always had it. He's always had a great character. I like my, the first match really opened my eyes to this dude was the one against Rusev back in the day where they just murdered each other. I don't know, it was like 2014 or 2015. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, like um, these guys, like he's he's fantastic. It's just this company going to what Lanza said. It, it, the booking is the important part with the booking. Title don't reign. lie. Yeah. The booking doesn't lie. And, and when it comes to the title reigns, it's not even the length of it. It's the quality of it. It's yes. not the quantity. Yeah, it's, it's not how it? many you have. It's the actual substance of the presentation of it. Roman reigns is in an angle with fixed characters. He's never really made to show a lot of ass at any point. Biggie um, get has to do goofy things and be the subject of goofery on a regular basis. Roman Reigns is
2: in a badass feud with Brock Lesnar. Big E is in a feud with.
1: Who? Seth Rollins? And you know the worst part is that the Cabinola? loss, the loss to Big E, would have been wonderful for the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar feud. Yes, because it would have shown Roman Reigns has vulnerability that maybe he's not as good as he says he is. It would have put a chip on his shoulder when he returns back to SmackDown to have a reign of terror to try to cover up the fact that he had lost to Big E Langston. Yes, there, there was no good reason for There'd him be to be some depth
2: it. in that character. There'd be some doubt. There'd be yeah. something, and and. It would, give, it would
1: give Big E a huge important win that mm-hmm. would have been meaningful without taking Maybe. away and Well, Maybe. I mean <laughs> Oh oh okay. Like I actually think it, it done correctly. Big E <laughs> beating no, I had to put that Where's Candy?
2: Where's Candy Come on, bring out candy
1: I've got I got the picture if you it's want done it done
2: correctly. This yeah, could be a great feud.
1: I should have this as, as a background uh character instead of the uh Takahashi or whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like it, I, I think that a victory over Roman reigns to the WWE fans still means something. And so that's what I'm saying, like if if done correctly, I think Big E beating Roman clean, and even, even more so beating off the Usos on his way to beating Roman clean at this Survivor Series match where the titles aren't on the line, but it's just a bragging rights thing. I think this actually achieves the idea of what bragging rights is, yes. a thing that normally is a target missed by every promotion I ever see. Like, this would have actually been an opportunity for Big E to get bragging rights, and it really further solidifies his championship reign as well. Yeah, we- uh, so I, I just view this as, like, kind of bad on a number of different angles yeah like, yeah, it, yeah it, it, just, it, it was just not a good it's
0: bad good
2: it's it's it shows that they're not really all in on Big E. it shows that you know this is kofi Park two i hate to say this but i don't think he's gonna get beaten 20 seconds by brock he might
1: yeah you say that you say that but i i think what we saw here and losing to roman clean without even the help of the usos I, I think that the most egregious thing is like dude it should have definitely been the case that the usos like attacked xavier woods and kofi backstage and then showed up and cost biggie the match right i know it's chalk but that's how you actually protect a guy and though it is boring the alternative is this and i think that leaves biggie in a much worse worse place and i think you can criticize that i should hope um and not have it be interpreted as criticizing Big E. It's criticizing the angle and what it is doing for the character of Big E.
2: Yeah. Uh any other Survivor series itself thoughts. We can get into Fallout in any part of the Lazy River if you
1: want. Um not that I could think I this was this I I had to just power through this show because those five man matches or five woman matches were just so Chris, Ball.
2: I enjoyed Sunday with my family watching football, and then I waited for people to watch the pay per view, and I waited for people to tell me what to watch.
1: I, I mean, welcome to my world, man. I, I just I, write, I, I just, write music. I write music. See what people are saying. Go and watch the show. Uh, and usually I, at one point, I, I love my means... peeps who
2: I love my peeps who work for them. But damn it, <laughs> you're not giving me compelling television, and it's oh, not your fault. It's not I,
1: their fault. I couldn't... The, no, it, it isn't. Um, one thing, I, I know I'm a I, I hater of AEW or whatever, but what one thing that AEW runs absolute circles around WWE on is format. Yes. Um, you watch Dynamite, especially if you're watching Dynamite later on, uh, where you have the ability to fast forward. The way that show is formatted you still basically like yeah you're skipping entrances or whatever but you'd be doing that regardless um but there are lots of stopping points where you need to just stop and watch and you end up watching most of the show smackdown in the way that it is done with the amount of recap packages ditto with raw you can fast forward through in nearly entire segments at times um because there's just constant recappery and then you get to these matches that are you know happy corbin and Madcap, Man, Moss. I like, I, I think you know what, I know what that is. That's let's go to the scan bar and move this show forward. Moving along now is what that tag team should be named because that's exactly what I do every time hey, those hey, guys Chris, show up. I'll
2: have you know that that Corbin Big E feud is what built up <laughs> into a title contender,
1: yeah. But that, see, here's the thing <laughs> that was Baron Cor no, or King Corbin, I don't remember, like, but it was King like one, Baron like, Sheriff. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah happy happy yeah middle management corbin middle management corbin, corbin I want yeah.
2: to, uh, what, what what else can we do uh midlife crisis corbin i'm yeah. looking forward to where he tries to grow <laughs> the hair back. guy in the hot dog suit comer.
1: corbin yeah. yeah old guy it, at the club corbin it, it, where he's
2: wearing a gold chain and a button-down <laughs> shirt with too many buttons unbuttoned um what Else, get bitter convention going, Corbin. Where it's like, hey, did you use the WWE a long time ago? Yeah, kid, 50 for the autograph, 100 for a picture. Okay, how about 20 for a picture? No. <laughs> oh, that's too much, mister. You weren't that good.
1: No, oh. I, 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 you know, like WWE's format right now is so browsable. Whereas AEW... Even if you don't love every angle on the show or whatever, like the show as a format is a coherent format where provided you're into the angles that Rod, you're watching everything because they move stuff along. That, uh, they're more guilty of having too much stuff versus yes, they're not enough. They and I would overstuffed say
2: stuffed hey, sandwiches, that's the problem
1: <laughs> that that's their problem. And they might actually benefit from the occasional recap package from things like on dark and elevation or, uh, behind the elite or whatever uh their show is like like if, if those are going to be relevant because like you know for example um i don't know has there been kenny omega fallout because if it's if it has been like, i haven't no, seen it no,
2: no they wrote him off with the they, uh, uh, it, with with that uh backstage interview after full gear
1: okay okay like the, they didn't do like anything but, on like but the it, here's and, like,
2: the weird thing there's no flow to it and the fact is you have npcs who have been introduced to keep the keep the show flowing and they just drag the show down because it becomes, it becomes backstage politics of, of the television show. And it's just,
1: well, and Adam Pierce's character has like no flavor. He's generic devious level one, level one evil, Not like, you know, not level two where he's like down at the ring yet. He's just at level one evil clunky
2: training program it's you know don't monologue your plan yet but accidentally reveal it as you're talking to people
1: yeah i i just yeah it's boring
2: okay time to give a shout out to our sponsor sponsor this week is my bookie new copy yes we hope you didn't fill up on turkey day because at my bookie the fun is just getting started this cyber monday my bookie is giving you a bet one get one free promotion on the monday night football games On Cyber Monday, bet against the spread on the Week 12 Monday night football game and whatever you wager up to $100. You'll receive that same value back in a risk-free bet for Week 13's Monday night game. MyBookie is the only sports book where buy one, get one means you're the one holding the bag. Don't miss out. Head out to mybookie.ag this Monday, Monday. Money, money, to get in on the exclusive promotion. To set the stage before you redeem the bet one, get one free promotion. Why not wager on the biggest matchup of week twelve, the LA Rams versus Green Bay Packers in a clash of NFC juggernauts? Don't look for either side to hold back. Bet the over and thank me later. Noted that is their copy, not mine. Set yourself up for success by doubling Whoa. your first. I don't know. No. Anytime you say bet the over, I kind of go, oh, that might be. Yeah. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code ROPES at my bookie. That's promo code R O P E S to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. I myself might be betting a little bit on the college football games tomorrow. We have the Commonwealth Cup between. My valiant Virginia Cavaliers and those evil, evil Virginia Tech Hokies, hate them. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. We thank my bookie for their sponsorship. Of Shake them ropes and other shows here on the Voices of Wrestling Network. And now, Chris, the trademarked, uh, <laughs> the trademarked. I'm trying to think of the other words for, for that, that are like trademarked, by a patented. Lazy River of Wrestling Criticism. For those of you who have not listened to this show in a long, long time and just happened to be on here on the holiday weekend, welcome back. No TV reviews, nothing strict. Anything in wrestling we watched that crosses our mind can be part of the Lazy River of Wrestling Criticism. And as I opened up with Starcade 89 last week and gave a lengthy monologue, Chris, you are up, sir.
1: All right, so I'm going to begin tonight's Lazy River at a point that I was like not prepared to begin at about two hours ago. And I guess that has to be on the subject of Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is someone who in the ring, um, when he had his feud with Adam Cole, I thought he was quite good. I actually think that he was like a very good on-the-microphone performer and like, he really excelled at that part of it. On commentary... He has been a bit of a wild card for a long time now, but an enjoyable wild card. Does he blow the angles on a regular basis? Yes, but I think most of us (laughs) don't care because the angles suck. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, WWE fans, but like that's kind of the reality, right? Like you'd care. Like, if this was Adam Page and Pat McAfee was doing some of the things on commentary with Adam Page, you'd be like, whoa, this guy's like commentary war crimes. I want him off my TV. Um, but the reality is, is you don't care because he's doing it with Rick Boogs. Wait, wait, Tw- hold on. He's
2: he's ruining the angles, those 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 very subtle, you know, intricately planned angles.
1: Look, <laughs> there was yeah, because there are a lot of nuances to what Rick Boogs <laughs> was doing, especially with the auto wall envelope filter setting that he uses, that I feel like on a regular basis, McAfee outshadows. Uh, you know, he stands on the table and he he dances around. And, and otherwise, you'd be really kind of hearing the guitar.
2: Okay. And, quick, I, and I feel pause. like that takes
1: away from the art.
2: I, I need I need a judgment call. Better guitar player tonight, Rick Boogs or Humberto Carrillo?
1: Um. <laughs> oh, you know.
2: Just continue. And, it's a, it's a my I'm Putting myself on mute. Please continue. A,
1: a real Sophie's choice here. So we we get to tonight. Um and mcafee has another one of those nights on commentary um which he has been frankly more wanted to and i i think it's directly correlated with the quality and or lack of consistency in the on-air product during the pay-per-view mind you like during survivor series and stuff he was asking questions that either were unbelievable character work or he legitimately does not know he, what is going on on commentary you know what I'm t- i like i wish i could like come up with the example but I, a few no, times I'm I, like-
2: i'll give you one because he because he said hey i saw that on tv it, it, it's a lot like lawler lawler never watched the other show he only watched his show hmm. so so it's one of those things where he doesn't really know what's going on raw because i believe he's I, he might be doing a radio broadcast at that time of a of a football game i don't think he's on the monday night or I, I don't know. Maybe he's just taking the night off. Who knows? But continue.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, th- this has been a known quantity with him and he's been a little bit mentally checked out, I would argue. And I think, Jeff, I mean, it's hard to put like a quantity on this. I'd argue that we have heard in recent weeks and months increased mental checkout from Pat McAfee. And we've always kind of felt like he's on borrowed time. So we get to tonight. Um in the opening segment of SmackDown here in the in the first 10 minutes, I think I, I clocked it around like minute nine or whatever. If you want to watch the minute nine, nine sixteen. I'll give you kind of the setup here. Uh Caleb Braxton has just been sent out of the ring by Paul Heyman. Um, she leaves the ring, and there is a chant going on in the crowd that's not quite audible because wwe at this point is doing this weird crowd mixing thing where they're basically punching in whatever chance they want to be in there and so the crowd you're getting is washed out um but I think what's important to juxtapose this next moment up with is the incident on Monday here where we had a fan jump Seth Rollins and the standard protocol for commentary is to call the action and not call something that isn't happening so I bring that up because you know like Byron Saxon real quickly get he he thinks it's like a part of an angle like he doesn't know what's going on and then they're like no 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 stop Byron and Byron stops Pat McAfee uh says oh are they saying let's go Brandon um and real quickly for those of you who are not familiar with the phrase let's go brandon or um, in the it, united
2: states you know
1: yeah or in the united states here um so jeff hawkins and i have a uh, a language code i know. Don't, don't look at me like that we have a language code on this show I right don't. okay yeah.
2: yes, yes no no
1: like, like we we have certain <laughs> words that you and i have agreed upon like we say of all fair we, or regular. we try and keep it radio friendly for the most right part. right 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 so like you know and, and we both agreed on this a long time ago yes. and, and so for me to actually explain what the literal definition of the phrase let's go brandon is um, actually would require me to break that code. I'm not going to do that. If you want to go and Google that, you can. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. It refers to the current president of the United States, Joe Biden. Um, and it is a word that you can't say on television. It's essentially it's it's a verb um, Meaning explaining to a,
2: copulate.
1: Yes. Expressing a negative sentiment towards the current president, Joe Biden. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, and and let's go, Brandon. I like you. you can go into what's the meme about? Or uh, you f you. Know.
2: F-U, it, it's f. Yeah.
1: Yeah. F you, Brandon. Or uh, f <laughs> you. F you, buy What? if this is really all just a guy getting this guy named Brandon? <laughs> um. No. Anyways, McAfee tosses this out on the air on a live microphone. Um. And you kind of hear like commentary, sort of take a hesitation moment here because I think like it takes a minute for, uh, Cole, um, at all to, to regroup here. But I, I mean, I think, I, I think McAfee needs to be done. And, and I want to make it clear it as something to do about a fondness for the, the target of the common Joe Biden, whatever, right? Like you're running a family friendly show. That has been doggedly, as weird as it is with their Saudi Arabia relationship, but they try to be, as best they can in terms of domestic affairs, non-political. They do like tribute to the troops, but like, you know, like they they have moved away in recent years. I know their history of like Bill Clinton jokes and that sort of thing, Um, all that sort of stuff, relationship with Donald Trump even in in the aughts. But like the last 10 years or so, this has been increasingly... A political run of the mill, we do breast cancer awareness with Susan Cohen, like, you know, generic corporate woke sort of company. Um, it is in, in, within that paradigm of the publicly traded mindset, of the where PG family friendly mindset, it cannot be acceptable to express a code word that is the F word. Um on the air on a microphone, regardless of the politician. I mean, it could be it could be Val Kilmer, right? Like if there was a code phrase that was like F you Val Kilmer and McAfee said that on the air, it's equally as problematic because he's still saying F you. It gets compounded because of the political nature of it. But like the issue up front is is the language component.
2: Oh, okay. Um I don't know. I I I need to know. I need to know the nature of who, f- if the line was fed, if it was him on his own, uh, because that pause might have been somebody in the headset screaming at somebody. If you want to go the most optimistic route. So, and that's why Michael Cole couldn't respond to it immediately. <laughs> because, as, as you know, they're wearing headphones and they're getting screamed at if they say dumb stuff on the air and things like that. If it was fed to him, he's not
1: getting canned. No, no, if it was fed to him, he's not getting canned. Right. But boy, is that a damning indictment.
2: Yes, but this. Vince wasn't friendly to, to the Clintons, as you noted as well. So it, it's one of those. Okay, what do you do if they fed him the line? I mean, who, who, what? I mean, in terms well, of. Well,
1: obviously, you send the cops in, you arrest him, <laughs> oh, I, oh i know i know i know that but it's
2: just it's one of those things well back if he has to go well he was fed the line
1: well i i ah. what i'm saying what i'm saying <laughs> has to go i i mean it's a lot I, I i'm just i'm canceling him or whatever but like no like i i think it's bad on when someone's on a live national broadcast to a, express <laughs> f you Period, uh, whoever it is, um, and, and doubly so would you start involving politics. Because I mean, even in better times, it would still be a bad proposition. But these are not better times.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just it's so stupid to do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> no, it was,
1: it was it was it was egregious. I, I just, I mean, I, I when I say he has to go, I'm saying like they literally could put someone else in that commentary booth next week. I, yeah, he, McAfee I, is adding nothing
2: see that's weird because I find him going I don't want to say that, that terminology I say him going away from the patterned thing something by now it's gotten a little patterned especially with the Boogs Nakamura stuff where he's dancing on the table and things like that I get you know you gotta have your go-to bits at work that were spontaneous before it's a little Robin Williamsy. But I still I am still a fan of somebody just not being saying all the right things, even if they're wrong, even if, like in this case, this is wrong. You shouldn't say that. But if you replace him, you get Corey Graves. And, and I don't want Corey Graves on a second show.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. But what you are speaking to, Stou- it, you're speaking to the, the symptom. You're speaking yeah. to the symptom, which is that the program is so boring that you need Pat McAfee uh, effing it up in there to keep you engaged because yes. you don't enjoy yes. what they're getting. I know. I get it. I feel – Jeff,
0: we agree. You, you <laughs> no, I know here. we
1: agree. You're, you're, you're in the circle. You're <laughs> in this – I'm here. It's a big hug right through the Zoom call. You know
2: what we need? We need Aunt Pam back, damn it. <laughs> this yeah. country's falling apart, and Aunt Pam's –
1: i think you could you there's a there's correlation there no no i feel you um no i i i'm just like i get that but we like jeff this is like when you're i need to talk to you sometimes jeff we like people for the wrong reason and and i there's a there's an appeal Jeff, look look at my love life. Sometimes we're attracted to people who are wrong for us, Um, but we need to know when to cut our losses and acknowledge that we can like something, but we like it for the wrong reasons. No,
2: Chris, hold those bags. It'll come back up to its full value again.
1: Don't
2: ever give up. Uh, Okay. My turn. Uh, CM Punk, MJF. The 20-minute promo battle. I really liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm still wondering if I loved it. That's that's. And you guys are going to know why, because I've said this before. And I know I've been, I've been, I've been sussed about this by others. I've been sussed about this by lands and Kreich too. At the same time, I, is there too much WWE commentary in these put downs, you know, th- are they character put-downs or are they life put-downs? That's the question I have here because they're kind of, they're towing a bit of the fourth wall here. And I like the heat. Don't get me wrong. I really do. And yeah, I liked the Miz line. I don't know if I loved the Miz line, but I liked the Miz line, you know, where, where you're, you're just a less famous Miz, as if the Miz is really famous. Well, he was on Dancing with the Stars. And he but has his own reality ha- show. But he that's has the
1: WWE outfits.
2: Stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I just, it, it was, you know. Yeah, Punk left. You can make fun of that. That's good. Um, It was a good promo battle. It was, it was a great promo battle. I'll say it's a great promo battle. Was it an all-time promo battle? I'm not willing to go there just yet. Give it some time. I think these two can do better than this. Cause I don't even think MJF got off some great lines on punk necessarily. I think MJF kind of went cheap on the, you know, the punky Brewster stuff. And, you know, that, that was a little dismissive as a Weasley. I think, I think MJF, I mean, MJF has had some strong, strong lines in the past, and this didn't even cut the surface. And if he goes there, I think punk could, uh, I think punk could really get into this, but as a starter, sure. I really like this a lot, Chris, but what did you think uh, for notes sake? just as a thing they went a little long which made some of the other matches have to cut time which which is a little bit of a problem with the formatting and of course the jam band style of hey you don't want to cut people off at the knees but hey you know maybe maybe tighten it up a little bit in terms of the, in terms of the staging and presentation but uh your thoughts
1: i liked it i thought it went long um i i thought what kept me from getting to the next level? Because initially, I was like, "All right, I'm here," and I think MJF and Punk have great chemistry. Yes. Uh, I, it just it, that there's a lot of stuff in this angle that works. This is not like Danielson Page for me. Like I, I'm broadly speaking, this is a coherent. This is not a like indie coherent sort of angle. This is like a coherent, coherent sort of angle for me, um, and, and I'm digging it. Uh, but I think where this missed me a little bit is that MJF's motivation for this promo was not, not clear or not fully achieved. He was so like the, the promo was so focused on getting the one-liners, the zingers and the WWE isms um, that it missed sort of the most important part of this promo, which is you need to, do something to meaningfully egg on CM Punk. And I thought, yes, you, you can interpret a lot of the jibes at Punk as, you know, while well, he was trying to agitate him, he was trying to egg him on. But like there's a certain level of extra targeted needling that needed to happen at Punk to really make Punk want to fight MJF, especially with Punk Sort of coming out and saying, my opening salvo was, "I already shut you up." So, like, why am I here? Like, yeah, that what, was what almost talk-
2: a, that was almost scoreboard
1: right there. Yes, but then right.
2: after that, no, I no, I think you nailed it because I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on. It, but no, that's very good. Let me expound on that a little bit uh, because it's a great point. When Punk got into the four pillars talk and into the when I do media, I don't talk about you talk. That's motivation. That's that's needling at MJF's pride right there. And and there's a little bit of difficulty in MJF's character right now because they're really playing up the, I'm going to be a free agent in 2024 and I got Bruce Pritchard's phone number and WWE is going to want to talk to me type of thing, which I know it's supposed to egg on a certain person who's using AEW as they, they just, they just don't want to watch WWE anymore. I get that. I get that as a, as a thing, but yes, he needed to come stronger on Punk's motivations of coming back after seven
1: years. Needed- I'm going to go, I'll go one step further. I think this needed to end with MJF attacking Punk. I think, I think that this in a weird way needed to backfire. Instead of MJF getting Punk to attack him, this needed to end, end with MJF attacking Punk. Getting
2: frustrated that he wasn't getting
1: one up on the yeah, one-liner. And, and just, just attacking Punk. And, and, and like now Punk has a reason to fight MJF. Because like MJF beat the shit out of Punk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah but I I really would have liked also, that more... would have
1: saved us from the agonizingly long QT Marshall match where yes. we had, like, a body slam marathon going on in there. <laughs> like, like I, I, again, it was, like, a little bit of a rib, but, like, this is such a nothing match, and especially when you're cutting other matches for time. Can we cut the QT Marshall match for time, please?
2: No, I, you know what? Just thinking back, Punk, that was Punk's best line was, you're not even one of the four pillars. That's Brit. But you are replaced by Britt Baker. I thought that was fantastic. Cause you know, even, even though, look, I'll, let's give Miz, or not Miz, Jesus, Let's give FJF some credit. <laughs> uh, Chris is dying right now. Uh, no, the, 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 when he brought up the Miz Line and, and that just that, that cut away from the crowd and MJF held it first and then mouthing the F, you know, right there. Uh, that was fantastic character work by Miz. I mean by Miz again. I did again. Oh the MJF thing. Oh, I am in so much trouble right now.
1: Um okay. Yeah, I, um, I I I just think that the audible should have been called. If MJF <laughs> attacks punk. Like the, the angle is great. I like I, I think that MJF is a wonderful foil for punk. I love Negan looking punk. Uh I, I, you know, I, the the age is wearing well on the man. <laughs> And I like. I think, broadly speaking, this this is off to a fine start. Yes, the QT Marshall match. That's better was,
2: than my analysis being off to a fine well,
1: start. Well, you know, once you get who's in the angle straight, Jeff, I think you're going to snap into shape real quick here. So, it, so it's Miz
2: and Miz, CM yeah, Punk. Yeah, you got Miz and CM Punk.
1: <laughs> Punk needs oh. to, during the course of this feud, avoid diving to the outside because he's not going to get caught.
2: <laughs> That's a good pull uh your turn in the lazy river sir
1: okay um my turn on the lazy river here um nxt uk uh with with the cuts to every part of the roster here not named roman reigns or anything related to the roman reigns angle here i just don't have the energy anymore to talk about nxt uk so um once again i am shuttering my doors on nxt uk it's been a heck of a run and I'm kind of sorry for this little sub faction that it's not in a better company because there's actually not a bad little brand. It's just, there's just I, nothing going on in this. Show. I got
2: home from, from my plane trip. I had nothing to do. So I put it on in the background. I watched the uh, Sam Gradwell match and I've turned on him. I think he's great. I, I do. I think he's really, really good. The the dumb haircut aside, I've now moved past that. He you know when we had when he had that uh, that match where they were whipping each other with the cords and stuff, I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting into this guy. I believe the match was with a kid. <laughs> I've already watched three hours of wrestling today. I can't remember what I watched to begin with, but uh, no, I'm really liking Sam. They have a very good roster over there
1: at NXT UK. Like Rampage Brown is sneaky good. Sam Gradwell is sneaky good. Saxon Huxley is sneaky good. There's a lot of people on that roster who are actually quite good. And it's a shame that like, somehow this little sub roster can't just get like a breakaway deal or something where they can just kind of make their own tv show or whatever because it would be a damn good tv show and i know it's something like this weird contrarian opinion and that's what i trade in these days but like i i just have always really like walter was a fantastic champion ilia is a fantastic champion um pete Dunne was a great champion like like this is actually a brand with a sneaky good legacy on it pretty deadly's evolved into it pretty decent yeah
2: give give me six writers who really love wrestling and know the history of wrestling to fly over to uk help them out there and build your own show with no no wwe isms in it and i would be there man oh yeah uh, and, and you know some more promos as opposed to like talk show gimmicks and stuff. Like I know you like the Noam Dar talk show. I just well, it's I, just
1: because I, I think Noam Dar is just a funny, like vivacious, good heel. Let like, like he 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 cracks me up. What can I say?
2: Let me go to the main roster for my next one because it's a tale of two brands, but the tale is still the same. So we have Charlotte and Becky fight each other. And then we're here to set up the next contender for each of their belts. And Liv Morgan comes out and cries. Tony Storm comes out and gets two pies to the face. Now, Chris and I are privy to some information. Let me put it this way. When I went to NYU to learn script writing, TV script writing, it was eye-opening to me my professor comes in he goes everything you think you know about television writing is incorrect and he gave us all a script of a pilot he wrote it was a pilot for um jeff garland of curb your enthusiasm it was his first project after leaving second city and he was a big name in comedy and 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 my professor was there to make, you know, to try and get him a, a good role. It was him and Leah Remini for a pilot, Leah Remini, who was on uh, King of Queens, The Wife. <laughs> My professor now hates Jeff Garland, by the way, just always hated him. So when he would, oh, I hate that guy. And then it's like, whatever. But, but anyways, so we're looking really at the script and we watched the pilot. And there's probably two jokes in the script that made it into the pilot and he says here's what you learn just because the byline says written by that doesn't mean that's who wrote the show what happens is you write a story and then you get it into committee and then jokes get taken out jokes get added back in plot points get taken out plot points get revised plot points get created and then put in And then they film it in front of a studio audience. But your name is still on it. I will say that for one of these programs, that's what happened. And leave it at that. Probably for both of these programs, that's what happened and left it at that. But I'm going to tell you this. People in my timeline, not very happy about the Tony Storm program. They, They just thought that this made her look like an absolute geek. And I don't think that was the intent, but that's what happened.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess all I can say is it could be worse.
2: Oh, it could be much worse.
1: It could be worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Take my word. Take my word at that, people. It Uh, could be worse.
2: Canny, should we let see how it all plays out?
1: I I I I, honestly it played out apparently about as good as it could.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um but it also goes back to our big E conversation. How do the ch- how are these champs important if all they fight are the people who are important, and you don't make them important by building up actual contenders to build up their legacy? You know, it's it's one of those things. And just to kind of circle back on the big A thing, is everybody thinks just having the title makes you important? When when I was a kid, I knew of only three title holders. I knew Ric Flair. I knew Harley race. Cause that's the guy they always say he beat. And I heard about this guy named Jack Briscoe, who I'd never seen wrestle before. That's it. That's the list. Now it's like 15 time champ, 20 time champ, blah, blah, blah. And half of these people don't mean anything. And it's, and that's back in my day. Yeah, sure. It's a little bit of that, but at the same time, how good is your legacy if all you're talking about is, man, I think you can make the Hall of Fame because he has 20 different title runs and none of those title runs mattered. You know, uh, uh, I, I, this is
1: this is the new the new phrase I'm gravitating towards is coherent and like there's like coherent, coherent and then there's like sort of an indie coherent. We um,
2: we have a rise of a cat over your left. Yeah, shoulder.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, little, little little haze. Yeah, uh, okay. rising rising to the top here. Heard
2: the big A e talking, came to yeah. say Hawkins is a moron. Yeah. Um well, yeah.
1: I mean, wisdom of the elders. Yeah, that's uh, all I
2: had to say about that. I just it was just it was just like man on both shows they made their women's champs again. This is to your problem as well though the whole Bianca Belair thing because Bianca Belair no longer a serious contender. Never really treated as a serious contender once she lost the belt. And we're just going to have these, we're going to have Sasha won't do it, but, but Charlotte and Becky both eat up contenders alive because they're just so strong.
1: Yes, they, they are strong. I think sometimes um, they have to be, the performers themselves need to be more mindful about the other people they're working with because they're, they're made characters. And these other people who are performers who are trying to make careers that are lucrative, like, you're actively hurting the other people you're juxtaposed against. Uh, Bianca Beller this year is just a fantastic example of this. I think that, you know, when if Charlotte, um, who has had her documented troubles with working with people this year, uh, working with others who have had documented troubles as well, but like, for being... Bianca was not taken care of, and I think Charlotte could have been more of a champion for taking care of Bianca if she would wanted to. Um, she doesn't. I, I think that Becky, look, they want to book her as a heel. She's over as a babyface, but, I mean, if she wanted to be a more definitive and concrete heel on a regular basis, she, she knows how to do that. She's got too much wrestling IQ for me to believe that this is really her best level heel work. Um, I like, I yeah, she's think more she's...
2: eccentric baby face than anything I was like, yeah. I'm dressed in these weird clothes and that makes me a heel.
1: Not yeah. Really? Oh uh, yeah. Then oh, I'll do a you people promo here this week following survivor series or whatever. But at the same time, we still all hate Charlotte and Charlotte's this Mondo heel. So like we don't really hate Becky and Liv Morgan's not really beloved. So it, it I mean, it's, And this seems to be a recurring problem in wrestling, and I think this just speaks to problems in booking patterns. You have these feuds where either the babyface or the heel really has no opportunity to meaningfully overcome the dynamic to make the story maximally interesting. Um, Maybe Liv Morgan, and this is what's weird about this, Liv Morgan might very well beat Becky Lynch, but even if she does, the way they've been telling this story won't make it feel like Liv Morgan beat banana peel
2: banana yeah. peel finish right. even if she does get a title reign
1: yeah right right it's not gonna feel like she really beat and exceeded and, and and rose to the level she might defeat becky lynch she might get a w and win a title but it won't feel like Liv morgan leveled up right to becky lynch's right. level and also and, and, and that's been a problem i i would say company to company uh, broadly speaking I, i've seen this a number of times this year
2: and what happens is they're just going to run the program back again which doesn't give that heel the chance to go away, which is why Kenny Omega leaving right now to get surgery is so damn perfect. It, it is. It doesn't give him a chance to eat, a, eat at Hangman Page's victory at all. Or, oh, I get my instant rematch, so the next pay-per-view we're going to do this with a stipulation, and we're just going to do the same feud for a number of weeks, except you have the title this time, as opposed to me. There's no, there's no feud in there. There's no heat in there. There's nothing in there other than the prop.
1: And and when Kenny shows back up, let's say second or third title defense, it will be much more intriguing, even if you don't think that Omega has a real chance at winning the title back, just because there's now been some distance, some breath. um, We'll have, I guess, the follow-up to the young bucks giving Adam page the title more or less there at the end of the pay-per-view like, like, you know, there'd just be a fresher, more interesting angle. Okay. uh, Your turn um okay uh sh- 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 sh. um i i guess we can do yes i guess i'll just go ahead since i'm like kind of standing here i kind of got caught flatfoot i didn't realize we were right at the end of that i'll do danielson and uh cabana here
2: okay
1: uh, um i i like the tooth stuff i think <laughs> I mean, I think that made this good. This was um, cut
2: for time because of the punk segment.
1: Yeah, I mean that's fine because I don't think that this match actually needed to go super long. Um, like, like that, I really, I don't actually think that that needed to be that way. I think Adam Page comes off as slightly a bad friend when he doesn't show up until way after the match is over. I mean, once Cabana's lost the tooth and dados is parading around with the tooth for what seems like an eternity um it feels like adam page should be out there angry
2: and, and pissed and just ready to kill this guy
1: yeah right like i i mean maybe even call an audible here because or like it, it, you know that the tooth is an unplanned thing right um, am calling off here because like Danielson now is almost gone past the point of believability. Now well, it's, here, it's, it's he ratch- has stupid baby face syndrome. Yes, sort of.
2: It's ratcheted up the, the the stakes. It's like, not only are you beating my friends, you're maiming them now, Like if he broke somebody's jaw, if he breaks Alan five angels jaw next week in Atlanta worked. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll take this, but, but Paige has to come out there and be trying to kill him for doing it. As opposed to just beating him, you know, it's, it's, it's that whole. And he can't
1: show up way late.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It has to be right as he, like a quick, you know, boom. It's obvious the jaw's broken. He can't continue. Paige is running down to the ring to try and stop this madness. Yeah. I, you know, even, even if he gets DQ'd, even if, yeah, even if Danielson wins by DQ, I'd be fine with that. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not seeing angry Adam Page, and that's kind of bothering me. In any of these programs, he's just kind of (laughs) happy-go-lucky Gen Z cowboy, and I'm just like emo cowboy. I'm just like okay, cool. Give me some fire here, brother.
1: Uh, Yeah, and and it's just it's the Danielson's making him look stupid, and and, and 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 this is sort of the concern. One of the concerns I've had with this angle, which is just that like, is this really a good vehicle for Adam Page? Or is this a good vehicle for people who are really excited about a Danielson heel turn? And if if you want a Danielson heel turn, don't get me wrong. Dope. I, I, you know, okay. Um, in terms of helping out Adam Page, I'm unclear that it is. I think it's making Danielson a more intriguing character, but I don't know that it's making Page a more intriguing character.
2: I, I agree. Yeah, sometimes these programs only go one way, and right, right now it's only going one way. Uh, I'll stay on. Uh, I'll stay on Dynamite for my last one because it's the only other note I have on here. Although I'm kind of thinking if you have another one, I may add one real quick. But uh, the Ape Man to end the show. I really liked this match, Chris. I thought this was a lot of fun. Yeah. We got to stop doing the throwing the weight belts into the crowd because in Chicago, the it's famous for throwing balls back for the visitor. they threw the belt back and hit Aubrey in the leg. Luckily, you know, Cody later put back on. It's obvious that these crowds are going to continue to work to turn Cody heel, despite uh, what Cody quote unquote wants. Um, I thought the match itself, though, man, a lot of these guys work really really. Of course, El Idolo and Pac work well together. Uh, FTR and almost anybody were working well together. Cody had some pretty good chemistry with, with El Idolo as well. Uh, I, I liked the spot with Tully and Arn and Jose and them both punching Jose. Still gives me the feeling something's amiss between tully and arn and and i like that i like that little easter egg where it could be that was just these two wanted to get it on with each other and jose was kind of yelling at both and they told him to shut up because secretly everybody kind of likes tully too but on the other hand it could be just tully and arn got a little bit of a deal here and it's a little bit of a head fake and uh yeah i'm uh I'm digging this. I'm going to I'll be interested to see how Atlanta reacts to Cody in an Atlanta Street Fight against uh Andrade.
1: Yeah. Um I I mean, I I just continue to be baffled by Cody's bewildered? bamboozled? Not... <laughs> it, it's just it, it's going to be what it's going to be and I, you know, it's one of the it's one of these segments on Dynamite, a show whose format I like, where I just sort of go like, "Oh, okay, well, I'll move on to the next one because this program's not doing anything for me." But that's okay. Like, like you know, it, it, there's enough on the show that, I'll, that that's worth watching for me. Uh, I just, I, I, Cody has miscast himself so badly here. I can't like get really interested in the matches uh, because he's such like an uncompelling. He's such a not likable baby face, but he's up against people who are definitively heels that I don't know what I'm watching here.
2: Well, it's so weird. Cause like everybody, the, the crowd knows its role here and it's playing the role it wants to play, which is we like all these guys, except you, sir, <laughs> you're the one guy we don't like. And every time you're in this match, no matter how good you do, we're going to boo you anyways. And it's, little frustrating to watch i'll admit it because it's obvious they want they the company wants the story to go one way i think and the crowd's just gonna fight them tooth and nail all the way across i mean at this point my
1: frustration is that this is the one angle that they've chosen to make this stand on (laughs) out of out of all the the many things we don't don't know that they're
2: choosing that we don't know that they're choosing to make the stand here that's the thing it's like it's one of those like if.
1: God. oh no they've been forcing the issue on this cody Rhodes heel turn for a while like cody has been going against the grain for quite I, a while now i
2: think we need a fake birth in the crowd and cody to save the day by knowing how to
1: how to do it and then he drops the baby and, and, the baby. That's, the, you know, <laughs> and that's the heel turn
2: <laughs> hey him anyways when he gets, when he gets, look the baby's safe boo all right screw you throws it down <laughs> <laughs> that then, then just, <laughs> just just shivani I, I want shivani like, on oh my god he's
1: killing <laughs> oh my god he dropped that baby what
2: the hell? <laughs> they were gonna name that child brandon <laughs> he let go of brandon he let go of brandon <laughs> cody f you brandon it just becomes oh god <laughs> uh, your turn on the river sir. While I uh,
1: uh okay um man uh geez louise do i want to go mysterio family theater or no Zilla? let's do that
2: please because it's always amusing
1: oh god i like <laughs> No, nothing makes both these Mysterios look like bigger losers than losing to Bobby Lashley, a guy who has been at best moderately protected on this roster. And they take care of him okay. But Question like, for you, who is a yes. bigger
2: loser right now, the Mysterios or as 24-7 champ Dana Brooke? 'Cause Dana at least has a title.
1: Right. It's <laughs> and people it, Dana congratulated has to be her. the bigger people winner. Congratulated
2: her for the twenty 24- four all your hard work has paid off, Dana.
1: I I mean, you know, for for this person in this company, that's probably true. Like this is this is peak this is, this is this peak is performance. The yeah, you it. may you may not like it, but this is peak performance for Dana and Brooke. I liked
2: and I like Dana Brooke. I think she tries this, uh, hard.
1: I actually think she's a not bad character actor yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's actually got like some comedic timing. Um, and then the other one was Austin Theory as the reveal for the golden egg. Oh, this but golden egg! Nothing, nothing tells you more. Don't give a damn about our future mysteries than the payoff of Austin Theory being the out of nowhere surprise reveal of this is the guy who's got the egg, and the, they never established. And it turns
2: it. into a title shot. For, uh, as we said before, this could have been <clears throat> hint, hint much, much worse. Uh, <laughs> if if you recall that conversation, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, this this thing about the egg, which is a bait and switch for Rock about his Netflix movie, maybe maybe you get him on a Zoom call about the egg, but it also just an excuse to get Vince McMahon on TV, and apparently it worked. In some respects, about the viewers, I it didn't do a great number, but it did better than before. Well,
1: man, you know, that's the other thing is like that. I, I, Lance was talking about this in the flagship here this week, but I just kind of like want to hear here and you know, smack the table. I'm like, let's not take a victory lap on 1.6 million viewers yes. for Raw. I, I think that if anything. What we are starting to settle in on, whether you're looking at the Rampage ratings or the Raw ratings, is a new plateau. Um, AEW now has a spot in the marketplace, and that's good. Um, in so, But it, it's not as though having a competitor is necessarily juicing up the overall numbers of the wrestling viewership pool. And I think a big part of that is that WWE is just this is not the Monday Night Wars in the sense that WWF was putting on a good show and Monday Nitro was putting on a good show. This is a competition between two companies, one of whom AEW is putting on a good show more or less on a weekly basis um, and more or less having good pay-per-views and another company WWE that puts on a pretty lousy television show on a regular basis, has a, a few good pay-per-views during the course of the year, but they seem to be in this sort of scattershot way that you can't predict. It's not like you can go, oh, this is a big show, so you can bet that this one's going to kick ass. It's more like, wow, i will never believe it, but uh, uh, the, the Halloween Havoc thing that they did in, I don't know, let's say August, uh, was really fantastic uh like this is a company that surprises you with a random good show versus reliable good shows and so there's just like not a real sense of competition and thusly you're not getting an elevated nature of quality either you you have AEW doing what they're going to do and WWE doing what they're going to do and you don't have the thing that was happening in 96 where you have what is a reaction to one another sometimes almost to a fault in um, the case of the NWO and DX, for example, or any number of other things. But, like, there was, like, a real obvious interplay where, like, they were taking shots at each other and cues off of each other and trying to outdo one another. Like, AEW's not trying to outdo WWE because there's nothing to outdo over at WWE right now. Like, literally, you can outdo WWE just by putting on a better television show, which is true but also then suggest that there's no need for real competition or a focused study of your opponent to better elevate yourself and thus forcing your opponent to better elevate themselves. And some of the things you might hope for as a viewer,
2: I I've changed my mind on my last topic. Cause I was originally going to go into 2.0 and Daniel Garcia and then Chris Jericho and hoping to God that it wasn't going to be another one of these, Hey, like orange Casty, I'm going to put the kid over by being in a match with me type of thing. Going to NXT 2.0. We now have the final teams for the war games matches for NXT war games, December 5th or December 6th, whatever date it is. We'll, we'll do a preview of that next week, but my God, we have the millionaires club versus the new blood (laughs) from WCW circuit 2001 in the men's division where LA Knight is considered an NXT veteran heels and faces working together. And here's the problem. I don't have a problem with the with the new kids being the heels against the beloved veterans. If you hadn't rebranded the show to NXT 2.0, where you want to feature the new faces, they have to be the baby faces here. What are they doing here, Chris?
1: I don't even have a problem with them being the heels against the ba- against the veterans, but you need to actually have beloved veteran like baby faces yes. getting massacred here by the new blood. Um and LA Knight is LA not Knight. a be- is not a beloved veteran baby face. He's neither beloved nor veteran nor babyface. And, and when I say veteran, he's a veteran wrestler, but he's not a veteran in this company. Um and so he's not even of a high status or repute. Like no. what would, where this would have been very useful if they had had foresight on this is if if the if Braun Breaker's team came in and annihilated the undisputed era. Yes. Yeah, like that would have been that would have been awesome. Um, the undisputed and it's
2: because they were on yeah. all the other war games matches.
1: And, and, and have the undisputed era lose in an undisputed way to Braun Breaker's team. Um, like where Breaker's team basically runs through the undisputed and like Cole's just shell shocked on the way out.
2: And in the women's side, there's only one story I think you can tell here. And let me know if you agree with this because I love Kaylee Ray. Kaylee Ray is fantastic. Kaylee Ray is fantastic in a War Games. If you watch that first Women's War Games, she's either giving heavy damage or taking heavy damage. She is fantastic. But this babyface team is way too powerful. You have Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, Kaylee Ray, and Cora Jade against Toxic Attraction and Dakota Kai. This has to be War Games 91 where. Cora Jade is going to play Brian Pillman and has to be the weak link of this team. And I think the baby faces have to lose this one. I just think this team, I mean, toxic attraction ain't scaring nobody. I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're a decent mid card heel stable for women.
1: But uh, the best worker is JC Jane. Um and you can't make her the champion because you got uh Mandy, uh, Rose. Mandy Rose right and, and but I mean like and Dakota gonna, Kai
2: is just and even and, and even if
1: J C Jane was the main focus yes. of the team I don't think you could do a main event title push with J C no. Jane no right now. I, I think and that's I'm saying this is a J.C. Jane fan I just she's not ready so like Toxic Attraction's they've been pushing it to the moon they've been doing it in commercial advertisements and everything but like I don't think it's actually really at the level of that. And and they don't... They have not had the ability, not necessarily Toxic Attraction, but, like, also NXT, to help build up Toxic Attraction to feel, like, that sort of commodity.
2: Yeah, don't get me wrong. Dakota Kai is fantastic. Dakota Kai is going to work her ass off in this match. um, But she is head and shoulders above these other three. And... (laughs) And you can't do something with Raquel Gonzalez just being a world beater here because we've seen that before. We saw it when she was a heel to build her up into this babyface thing. If she's not working as a babyface champion, you know, it's, 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 it's on them, quite frankly, because they've done everything they could for her for the most part. But, man, this babyface team is way too strong.
1: I think what should happen is Kaylee Ray should turn on the team and join Toxic Attraction, but basically as like an inside job thing, where she like claims that she's getting in with Toxic Attraction, but it's all just a double cross. Toxic Attraction. Oh, no, that would be that would be a total Kaylee Ray sort of move.
2: I yeah, you know, I would rather he, her her have the have the have the deal with Dakota because I'd love for her and Dakota be, just also take the NXT Tag Championships if if they could, because I think that'd be a a strong move. Yeah, I could see that. Somebody, but I also think you're going to have La Knight turn on his guys. So you know, because he's the he's the guy that that would be most likely to turn if somebody's going to turn in that match. I don't want two double turns in a, in a, in a War Games match. And well, War I think mean, then match. we
1: just we need to turn La Knight solidly baby faced during the course of this <laughs> yep. match. Yep.
2: Let, me, let it, me speak to you. Uh, yeah. He That's, just
1: cuts promos throughout the of course of yeah, the match. Yeah, just cut
2: promos through the match. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, we will close the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Thank you, my bookie, for sponsoring us. Code Ropes. Double your deposit up to $1,000. Also, bet on the Monday night game with the spread. Get your bet on week 13 uh, given to you. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling. Podcasting network. You can watch the show on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash Voices of Wrestling. Chris has a Patreon. Patreon.com/slash dwatg.
1: Or is, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, it's dwatg. Yes, sir. Uh, don't worry about the government. it's the name of the show. We just taped it earlier today. Uh, we do a the first time we've ever actually done like like a live watch of. uh we watched a portion of Tucker Carlson's interview with Kyle, Kyle, Rittenhouse for those of you interested in that. And we also actually talk a little bit more about, uh, let's go Brandon. If you want to hear more discourse on, on that subject matter, all that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and over at patreoncom DWATG.
2: We'll be back next week with the first NXT non-takeover special preview.
1: War
3: games. War games. Say goodbye.